paper cups inside of plastic cups. And welcome to Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups. I'm Dennis Wilson, and this is Omar Rabadi. Hey, Omar. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, today's 6-11, June 11th, 2020. We've been counting down the number of days of the lockdown or quarantine or whatever you want to call it. You kind of feel like it's time to stop counting. Things haven't, obviously things have not went back to normal. We're still restricted what we can do in a lot of ways, but I don't know. It feels kind of tiring to keep counting it down. And at, at first it kind of felt empowering to do it. Like, all right, we have this lockdown and we're going to deal with it the best we can, but it, it kind of doesn't feel that way to me anymore. What do you think? Yeah, I used to like like it when you did that, and then I was thinking, oh, he's going to do it now. But now it's like, yeah, it's not clear. <laughs> it's not like it's going to be okay. We're going to get to seventy-five or wherever the hell we are, and it's going to be it's going to be donezo. So, yeah, I think that it's. Uh, I feel like there is a portion, and maybe we'll revisit a a, a true lockdown. But yeah, things are getting somewhat relaxed. We'll see how that turns out. But you know, I think I don't want to be at like you know, day 385 and still be doing that. So yeah, let's, let's put yeah. it to bed, I guess. But yeah, let's put it to bed. Move, even though we still have to be careful yeah. in a lot of ways, I think it's kind of time to move past the mind frame of being on lockdown. Yeah. And in many ways, and it's also, you know, like, I feel like we've, I've, I feel like I've adapted to whatever this is like it was like really weird the first couple of weeks working remote um and it was i don't know i felt like i felt like i was in lockdown i felt like it was very i very uncertain perilous nature out in the outside world and not again not to um you know minimize the you know the precautions you still need to take and that we may come back into something like it was in the past i feel like we've somehow moved beyond it like like cognitively that's how i feel at least yep yep uh so last week was definitely the most serious and most intense episode we've done uh talking about the murder of george floyd and everything that transpired after that in philadelphia and nationally and even internationally there were also protests in other countries which we didn't really get into. But uh, is there anything you, you want to follow up with that? Anything, you know, that maybe after the podcast you thought I should have mentioned this or anything that's happened in the last week? Well, um, you know, I, for, for the listener, I do the editing of the podcast. So I did the editing of the episode on Tuesday night and we had recorded it on the previous Thursday. And so listening back, you know, um, you know, with a couple more days of hindsight, um, I guess it was, it was interesting, you know, to capture that moment and like how we felt because last week was a, a very difficult and I don't know, shocking and, and weird everything week. And, 
you know, I'm kind of I'm glad we I'm glad we did that episode then because uh, I feel like uh, you know I may re- you know want to reflect on that time and we have kind of captured how we felt in a way. I, I, I feel I feel good about that. And I feel like it's useful for my own sake to think about you know what that was like at that period of time and and what it meant you know to, to us. So. That was one of the thoughts I had because I had the opportunity to kind of listen back to it myself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like I, I listened to a lot of the, of the podcast and uh, there were definitely times when it was like, man, I wish I was a little bit clearer in what I was saying. I wish I was, you know, I I wish I had, I said this or that, but at the same time, you know, we want to, you know, we want to come up, cross just is what, what we're thinking in the moment and how we're, and how we're feeling. And, you know, that's never going to be com- completely smooth. Yeah. It, and it was, yeah, we could tell how raw emotionally it was still. So, you know, otherwise, I guess, you know, I'll mention that I went to the, the, um, one of the protests here in, in Philadelphia on Saturday. Um, you know, I think I could probably count on two fingers how many like true protests I've been to in my life. And that's like not to suggest that I don't think that they're effective. It's just I have my hard time, you know, wrapping my head around it sometimes because I think I look at the world or I, I, I feel strongly that people should have individual thoughts and, and kind of like it's, it's hard for me to have cognitive dissonance around trying to, um, you know, get on board with a, a singular message. But on one hand, I feel like now is an opportunity to have a pretty singularly focused message to, to rally behind. And on the other, the thing I saw was at the protest, it, it was, you know, a very, you know, people come at it from their own angle. Everybody's kind of got, whether they got a sign or the way they, 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 they carry themselves, everybody's got a different approach. So I think within that singularity of purpose, there is, you know, quite a, quite a few different points of view. So I think that's really interesting, um, probably profound to see how that gets resolved as the movement evolves, which I ultimately I think it will and has to. So that was my take um, on, on it. Um, I don't know if you have any, any questions about it per se. I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying about the individual aspect versus the group aspect. I remember it was either a freshman or sophomore in college when the Iraq war started. I remember going to a protest and there were communists there and other far out there type groups who believe things that I didn't believe in. And it did, I remember it feeling weird, but you know, any, any protest is going to have, like you said, people coming at it from different points of view and you know, you find common ground with protesters the other protesters where you can uh what was what was the general vibe of the people protesting um, if there was a general vibe yeah i mean there was no violence that i saw and i, I believe none reported um yeah so people gathered on the uh ben franklin parkway uh leading up to the steps of the art museum uh which is a place in, in philly where they often hold um, you know, concerts and whatnot. Um, and it was like, you know, we were just kind of chilling there as it kind of people gathered in. 
and there was some kind of chanting, I guess, uh, uh, over the, over like a loudspeaker. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, and, and people were, you know, one thing we are still, I, I mean, at least I was still concerned about, you know, there is a pandemic and don't want to, you know, shoot ourselves, you know, in the foot, um, after all the hard work that many people have done. Um, so, but people were keeping a pretty good distance and we kind of just hung back a little bit more, but in general kept a pretty good distance, but in terms of the vibe, I would say, you know, um, you know, different kinds of signs, different ways of looking at the issue, mostly just there, um, focused people there and focused and, 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 and with the purpose and yeah, people are chanting some things that are, you know, clearly, um, there's plenty to be upset about and people are chanting things and, um, and other people are quiet and yeah. I mean, otherwise it was just, it was just very hot that day. Um, so we, we went from the Ben Franklin Parkway down to like city hall. Um, there was some police around city hall and some of the municipal buildings, but they kind of just, you know, let the people go through to like on the streets through city hall and past municipal buildings. And some people called out to the police and said various things. And, um, you know, for the most part, there was no, like, you know, there was no point where the police, the protesters met the, you know, like the, the, where the police put up this artificial barrier. Um, so there was no, no conflict that I could see. So, um, and then I guess it went up north, up broad. We kind of spun off to get back to the neighborhood. Um, and, and, and I think it, it got to wherever the final destination was on North Broad and, and then it wrapped up there from what I understand. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, do you want to get to a couple mailbag questions? Um, sure. I actually, before we get to that, I did want to mention, you know, we, we, we referenced a couple things um, last week, you know, that we were reading or listening to. Um, and I did come across something that I thought was interesting. Well, I'm not the only one to come across this, but um, there's this uh, campaign zero that is looking at the issue of like police brutality from a data-driven, you know, policy analysis and has a, like a multi-pronged ap approach to um, kind of trying to solve this issue, which I, you know, many people have probably seen this on Facebook, but I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, you know, uh, the sports dude, and he had on one of the co-founders, his name is DeRay McKesson. Um, and, I, you know, I think that that really resonated with me. I mean, not that, you know, not that Bill Simmons is, he's not your average sports guy. That's why I think I can stomach him. Um, and he is a little bit sometimes of a kind of an old, old fogey white guy sometimes, but he is pretty thoughtful too. And I think he's, um, you know, had, had, uh, uh, this this guy on because he wanted to expose you know his fan base. He's got a pretty big platform to um, you know this this line of thinking, um, and it was it was it was a very interesting interview. So I, I, I do recommend that. The, the rest of the podcast was an interesting conversation with uh, Steve Kerr, uh, Greg Pop Popovich uh, from Spurs, and uh, and I guess the coach of. Um, the Seahawks, which I guess is Pete Carroll, who, who I didn't know, um, which was less interesting, but still interesting. I don't know how I felt about it because it was like, they, they seem like all very good, you know, as far as coaches go, good, good dudes. Um, and, and I, you know, I wasn't, uh, I was on board with a lot of the stuff they were saying. It was just, 
Um, I don't know. I guess just like three white dudes talking about about stuff. Um, not that they didn't have stuff, something interesting to say, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm endorsing the first half of the podcast. I guess is my point. What What was the name of the guy in the first half of the podcast again? DeRay McKesson. Um, I think I'm pronouncing his first name right, but he's um, he's like one of the co-founders of Campaign Zero. Campaign Zero. And was was there any particular fact? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but any particular fact or statistic that really spoke to you that you thought was eye-opening? Not a, not a specific stat, you know, statistic. It was more about how um, how little transparency there is around, uh, you know, how the police uh, are, are allowed to operate. And so, I mean, even if you don't agree with, I don't know, like what they're trying to do or the, or agree with the efficacy of some of the solutions that they pr- propose, you know, I think a fundamental part of, of a, a good democracy is, is gov- uh, government transparency. And, it, you know, in all sectors of the, the government, they, in uh, most, I would say, they're people who govern us are trying to obfuscate certain aspects of, of governance and, and the things that could drive policy, whether it's environmental issues um, or education or whatever it may be. So I think that, like, that's, that's an easy thing to get on board with, which is, like, what are the rules for a police officer to use force against a citizen. Whatever the rules end, end up ultimately being, people will disagree on, but why wouldn't that be something that should be easily accessible? And so what they did post-Ferguson was just a lot of data uh, gathering. And I, th- I believe they did the top 100 largest cities in the country to ascertain what are the actual policies so you could see how policies line up with you know, deaths of, uh, um, you know, deaths of citizens and in, in, in police interactions, as well as police, you know, um, you know, injury or death of police officers. There's both, you know, there's, there's a conflict and both sides. Um, it's not really a winning situation on either side when somebody gets hurt, I, I, you know. So, um, you know, that's, that ties into some things we, we I think we might've talked about in police unions who, you know, probably had a hand in, in, um, in, in keeping this, um, from the, the citizenry. So at, at the at the very most basic level, um, you know, can't we agree that that um, transparency and data about the governance of citizens should be as as available as possible? I mean, that's one of the tenets of you know democracy and and journalism. So I'm a strong advocate of that. Um, so it's less a statistic, but more just a I guess an an ideology that I think a lot of people should be able to embrace. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, In theory, everything should be able to to be accessed with Freedom of Information Acts. But then again, you might have stuff that's just not, information that's just not kept. If if they're not required to keep the information. Right, and and that's certainly part of it. Um, um, So, I think they have done, I think they feel like they have been pretty successful in getting enough data that you can overlay incidents of um, conflict and 
violence and with, you know, police interactions that are, you know, use of force and those, those types of things. I guess, you know, the Washington Post, I understand, has kind of done this, but it was more about uh, use of guns. And this is inclusive of things that are, you know, uh, police killings that are not gun related, as well as on duty and off duty. So they've done a lot of work there. And now I guess the next steps is, are, you know, actioning on that as well as expanding it to do the data collection for as many municipalities as possible. And I, I forget that stat they said, uh, you know, how many, how many police agencies there are um, in the country. I want to say that there are, are like tens of thousands, but it's not like a hundred thousand, you know? Um, so th- you know, that's where they're trying to get more and more down into smaller uh, mid-sized and smaller cities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was my, my last, my last, my last thought on that. Yeah, definitely interesting stuff. I'm going to give that podcast a listen, at least the first half of it. Uh, should we move over to some mailbag questions? Yeah, yeah. What do we? We didn't do mailbag last mailbag last week, so what do we have piling up? All right. So the first one is a question for you to answer. This is from Lynn Luce. Dennis, I noticed there's only one N in your name. I've never seen a Dennis with one N before. Is that a misspelling, or is it really only one N in your name? It's not a misspelling. It really is just one name, one N in my name. Um, So it's the French spelling. Um, Probably should be pronounced Denis, Um, but I was named after my father who is named after his babysitter's son. <laughs> so technically I'm named after my father's babysitter's son. Um, and so it just happened to be the, the, the French spelling. Um, but when I went to Montreal, um, our Uber drivers would always be like, hey, Denis. And I was like, I felt kind of dumb because it'd be like, oh, I can't correct him because he's right. <laughs> I just am a dumb American that pronounces my own name wrong. Did you ever meet the babysitter's son? That seems no. like a weird person to be, like, were they tight or did they just like the name? I don't know, but that's a good question. He could be, I mean, he would be, he would be younger than my father, so there's a very good chance that he's still alive. Maybe we can get him as a guest. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about Dennis's with two ends? Do you feel competitive with them at all or anything like that? Well, I do like the fact that I don't, there's not a lot of Dennis's, but there's also very few Dennis's with one N. I think I knew one dude in, I think I knew one dude in high school. Um, but um, no, I feel, I feel like, you know, they got their own thing going on. Now Dennis's with three N's, that's just a bridge too far. I mean, I found the Dennis with three N's. Do you remember I, that? I do. I do. Yeah. I, Cause you know, you're my Dennis with one end friend. We have a friend with two ends, Dennis Verbo. And I thought it would be cool if we uh, got a, a three end Dennis to hang out with us. So I located a Dennis. I th- it, my recollection is your wife and the other Dennis's wife both thought it was a bad idea to actually contact this guy. Well, I think you found him. It was a very janky looking LinkedIn profile, if I recall. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that was just like a bot account or something, but 
Um, you know, we don't need we don't need permission to to hang out with Dennis at three ends. Yeah, there's not there's nothing creepy about finding a. You know, we found we found him because we want because he had the extra N in his name. So yeah, reach out. It's not like we just showed up at his door or anything. <laughs> True. Yeah. All right. Uh, another mailbag question. This one is from Matt the Rambling Cat. With the NBA returning, will the 2020 champions be considered legit champions or not? Um, I think if they can complete what they've outlined, which is, I guess, you know, was it like eight games leading up to the playoffs and then like basically a true playoff? Is that what they landed on? Yes. Yeah. I mean, everything in this year, as I said before, has an asterisk next to it. But um, I think it will both be, people will be able to say, well, that's not a real championship. But I also think it's like, to win it this year is potentially more meaningful than ever because of the situation. So um, I think it's both, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's not a real one because like all that matters is really the playoffs. I, I think the playoffs are a good, you know, um, it's, it's like the NBA is cool because any given night, any team can win kind of. And, but the, the play, you know, but there's not a lot of luck in, in winning a, a champ, uh, a playoffs and then a championships. I, I think, I think it, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good, you know, uh, grounds for, for testing the best team. So it's good enough for me. I mean, I guess I might feel I'll defend that even more so if the Sixers win it. What about you? Yeah, I think it'll de- – I agree for the most part with what you said. I think it'll depend on two things. One is are the players in good shape and does it look like regular – playoff basketball does it look a little lethargic and eight game you know with this long of a break eight game I guess training camp plus eight games I think it should be enough for the players to be in playoff form and for it to look like real playoff basketball and then I guess the other issue is as long as you know there aren't like whole teams that get wiped out because of coronavirus and they have to be replaced with like replacement players and then the champion is just sort of the last team standing. But I guess the NBA thinks they've solved that problem with the playoff bubble, where everyone's basically going to be on the Disney campus and they're not going to be allowed to leave and their interactions with the outside world are going to be pretty limited, if non-existent. So, which... Yeah, sort if, of an- if LeBron or Giannis are out, if they make it to the finals and they're out because of the coronavirus, then it's really hard to say that, you know, the best team won. And I know that people can get injured at any time, but I, I don't know. I think that will put it in under, under um, a lot of scrutiny. Um, I do. I mean, yeah, if they don't play hard or if they don't, not that they don't play hard. If they, if you feel like it's like people are kind of lethargic and, and it doesn't look like, NBA playoff basketball, then that would definitely be, um, you know, a reason to, to question its its legitimacy. But my 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 maybe it's my hope, but also my feeling is that the people are going to be playing hard. People are want to play basketball, and they want to win, and it's going to mean something this year. It's going to mean a lot from a lot of different angles. So um, maybe that's hopeful, wishful thinking. But 
So, you know, hope that everybody stays healthy and, and, and I believe that people will play real hard this year. Yeah. And the fact that there's no traveling might actually in some ways improve the on-court product just because. Except for the Sixers who can't win on the road and they're basically going to be on the road the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Although I guess that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is they're not on the road and they're not at home. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else we got in the mailbag? uh, That's it for the mailbag. Should we, uh, Move on to our first topic. Yeah, what's our first topic? So live music is returning in its own weird way. Last night on the Colbert Report, the Flaming Lips performed not just with every band member in a bubble, but there were audience members there in all in plastic bubbles. It was hard to tell from the video exactly how many people were at the concert. I'd estimate maybe about 50, but it's hard to say. They were very low-key about where it was shot and when it was shot. I searched all day, not all day, but I did some searching for information about where this concert took place, when it took place. There was really nothing. seems like they're being intentionally mysterious about it. I don't know if it's because it may violate some local ordinance or not. And also concerts in cars are making, I don't I, I shouldn't say a comeback, so I'm not sure if it was ever a thing, but there were concerts being held in parking lots and in drive-in movie theaters. Uh, so live music is coming back in a way. I never really got on the train of the live on Zoom or live on whatever internet platform concert because I could always, it just felt weird to me since I could always look up any concert I sort of want on YouTube. That never really got me excited, but actual live music being back does make me get excited, even if it's in these weird forms. So uh, first question for you, how much would you pay to see Wilco in a plastic bubble. So you would be in a plastic bubble and they would be in a plastic bubble. The way, I, the reason I asked how much would you pay is, I assume this is really expensive to put on with the flaming lips put on last night and they could afford to do it because they're doing it for a TV show that gets a ton of ad revenue. But I think if this was gonna be a thing in an actual concert hall, it would be pretty expensive. Yeah, I think that like with a lot of things, um with the flaming lips that they do is, is it's a, it's a performance art, you know, at, more than a, a, you know, a functional way to have a concert. So I wouldn't pay anything. I don't think, because I don't think I could hear very well inside of a bubble. Um, so I'm good on that, you know, because I think there are, 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 are alternatives like just playing in a big field with people socially distanced. Um, I don't, I wouldn't find it very invo- enjoyable to be in a bubble. So kind of out on that it's it's a fun idea to for a tv show i guess but but, you know segment yeah i don't something to me i I did find it more intriguing for whatever reason uh yeah i didn't think about that you wouldn't be able to hear that well inside of the bubble but i don't know maybe these bubbles just came across to me as sort of mystical and super super high tech that in, in some sort of weird way this this amazing form of class that you can actually hear pretty well 
people seem like they were having fun in the bubble. I don't know. Oh, I would go to, I would, if they invited me to participate in that and I got in a bubble and I could bounce around and be one of the, sure I'd do it, but I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd throw down money for it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what about going to a concert in a parking lot? Say this was a parking lot in Camden. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand the point of being in a car because, again, you can't hear very good. And the other part of live music is that you can feel it. And so, you know, like the vibrations of the music. So I don't see the point of being in a car. Why not? I mean, maybe on a bike um, or just like walk up to a parking lot and then stand 10 feet, 20 feet apart. Like if you take, a, you know, I think it's more feasible for like a mid-sized band that might like draw, I don't know, normally draw 2000, but draw like maybe 800 and get a big, like I'm, I'm picturing in Philly, there's, um, what is that? Roosevelt park down in, in like the so- Southern near the Navy, Navy uh, yard down so- South Philly. Like that's big. Um, and they've talked about having festivals there in the past. So why not just have people walk there and, you know, paint a bunch of squares like you would with like a, a, a paint on a football field. And just be like, all right, this is your square. And there's like a buffer and there's aisles in between all that. Um, and then you kind of like, you're like, you get a bingo square and you, you go to your bingo square. That seems like um, a better option because then you can just blast the music. You can still hear it like you normally would. And be quite frank, like I would like the space getting to the point where I don't really want to be crowded by people, pandemic or not. So um, that's the way I would approach it. Cool, cool. If you could, if you could see any band or artist right now in that scenario you just described, who would it be? Um, yeah, I mean, I think certain bands are better in the outdoors than others. So, um, who's a good outdoor band these days? I mean, um, you know, War on Drugs is kind of fun for that. Maybe like Sturgill Simpson. I'm trying to think of, I don't know, like. I'm not going to say like, like I would like to see the Rolling Stones like in any, any way, but um, I wouldn't pay the money to see the Rolling Stones at this point. So um, I don't know. You have any ideas? I'll, I'll think about it more. I mean, even though I just saw them a year ago, I feel like Smashing Pumpkins would be a cool band for that sort of outdoor, everybody's spread out just because I feel like their, their music just has like a sonic, spread out jam jamminess to it yeah it was good lo- yeah i was at the show and that was good their yeah their, their music is is their guitars are very thick it travels well i think outside um so yeah i could see that that'd be good i'd go for that so cool, cool. um yeah i don't know uh, hopefully we- hopefully we get to a point where um you know, we can, I don't know. I, I think that you could, you could, you could pull off you know, in a small park. You could, you just have to somehow control the number of people in the space, but no reason why I couldn't do some of that. Um, I guess the band members have to be also distanced too, which is um, interesting. You can't do that in a stage. Most stages inside are tiny. So another reason I think you got to do it outside. So I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see, you know, if you saw somebody like uh, that it does, like, um, you know, the Barbary Fillmore company, um, doing some sort of venue that is a bit of a hybrid outdoor kind of thing to make it work. And I think, you know, if you had the space, um, 
you know, you can make, potentially make it work economically. I feel like you, I think you'd be paying a lot more per ticket, but you know, I think people are going to be willing to, to pay a little bit more if it means they could see live music and get some, some sort of semblance. I mean, are we going to go a year without seeing live music? That's crazy. I mean, it might have to be that way, but I think, I think there are some options and I, I'd, I'd be willing to see like, you know, a neighborhood band, you know, I don't even care if it's a, a big band. I just want to see some live music. Yeah. Like there's all these parks like Wiggins park and Camden parks all over Philly, which are just completely empty. So, you know, you could spread out. I'm picturing Wiggins park in my head right now. You could, spread out, I'd say, like a 1,000 people pretty good in that park. The only issue is, you know, people aren't going to just be still the entire time. They're going to... Want beer. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to want to get beer. They're going to need to go to the bathroom. They're going to be getting in place, leaving, coming and going. I don't know what this may be. It's just, hey, everybody wear a mask, and you just ask people to do your best to stay six feet apart or... Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's definitely a complex proposition, probably, yeah. Uh, should we get to our last segment? Do we have an animal of the week? Do we have anything else to add on that last topic? No, let's, um, let's get to the animal of the week. This week's animal, birds. So any specific bird or just birds in general? No, just birds. Um, you know, last last week or two weeks ago, you did seahorses, and there's some variations of seahorses, and I'm picking birds. Um, but I want to I want to come at it at a slightly different angle. Um, I would like to um, rate rate birds on a, on a 14 point criteria and see where we, you know, where we land on birds in terms of um, yay or nay, basically. So for each, each piece of criteria, I will, you know, see, get your take. I'll, I'll do my take and, and we'll see what the tally is. All right. Sounds good. So, um, you know, so birds, I'm going to base a lot of this on um, the first sentence of, of the uh, Wikipedia entry on birds. So um, also a good way to level set here. So birds are a group of warm-blooded vertebrates con- constituting the class aves. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Characterized by feathers, toothless beak jaws, the laying of hard-shelled eggs, a high metabolic rate, a four-chambered heart, and a strong yet lightweight skeleton. So Great sentence. Lots of pack, lots of information packed into that. So let's let's start there. Um, so birds are a group of warm-blooded vertebrates. How do you feel about that? Yay or nay? I mean, do I think it's true or do I? Like- no, no, not true or false. Like, I mean, 
I think some of the other ones, but like if if you like, is that a plus or a minus for a bird that they're warm-blooded vertebrates? I would say it's a plus. I mean, you know, warm blood, cold blood. Who likes cold things? I don't like cold things. Yeah, I feel it's, like you know we're we're warm-blooded vertebrates, and that like that helps me like kind of relate to birds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, feathers. I mean, feathers, I'm going to say yay for feathers. Feathers look cool. I mean, I wouldn't want a feather, but when you look at some of these birds' feathers, I'm on the same Wikipedia page here. Or I'm looking at the Indian peafowl. Those feathers look pretty amazing. They look like they have eyes in them. Yeah. So I'm going to say I, and, yay. And, and, yeah, and there's practical uses like a down comforter, down pillow, um, probably other uses that we're not a, you know, up to speed on. All right, so toothless beaked jaws. No, not jaws. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's what it says. Toothless beaked jaws. Okay, yeah, toothless beaked jaws. What's your take on that? Hmm. I'm going to say nay. I'm going to say when, without teeth, it's harder to control what you're eating, and I think you'd get less enjoyment out of it. I think eating just sort of becomes a thing you do as opposed to a thing you enjoy. Yeah, and I'm not just following suit here with you. It may seem like that after three of us, three times agreeing, but I think that this is where, you know, birds get a bad reputation is like the beak is where, you know, that's that's what they eat with, but that's what all this, also what they attack with. It could like crack, you know, crack into your skull with. Um, and you can't eat that part of the bird if we're talking about like a chicken or a turkey. So I'm going to go with nay on that. Uh, the laying of hard-shelled eggs. I'm going to go with nay on that. I feel like I, I feel like it gives predators, I guess including humans, the chance to j just take the eggs away in a way that they wouldn't just take away uh, live-born babies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go with yay because um, I think that I do like to eat eggs and um, I think that eggs have done a lot for the human race because I think, you know, especially in times like earlier civilizations or earlier, you know, earlier eras, like when you, you know, a really good source of protein um, and sustenance. So yay for me. Um, I'm going to skip high metabolic rate. I don't know. It just doesn't seem that important. But um, a four-chambered heart. So can you give me some context on this? How many chambers does a human heart have? Isn't ours uh, <laughs> two chambers? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I believe I ours know is... What a, do you know what the purpose of a ch heart chamber is? No. Um, fortunately not. Um, let me just read real quick. Uh, no, I don't know. That's too complex for me to get into. I think you're just going to have to go from the gut. All right. I'm going to say seems overly complex. Like, why not just have a one-chambered heart? Yeah. I'm going to say nay. Okay. I, I would say nay, too, because I think that's a sign of, I think that, like, is, is like, uh, at, like, animals evolve. I think they, they, you know, like cows have, like, six stomachs or something like that. I think that as they evolve... So that's just, you know, a, uh, just an indication that they're much less evolved than us. Uh, strong, yeah, lightweight skeleton. 
I'm going to say yay for that because it, the coolest thing about birds is that they can fly. And my guess is if they had like a really heavy skeleton, they wouldn't be able to fly. And ever, you know, any anyone from a little kid to an adult enjoys seeing a bird fly. So I'm going to say yay for that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, the flight is an amazing thing. It took us a long time to figure out how to fly. And I think a lot of it is probably even still being modeled after, after birds. Um, okay. So, um, so what about like birds, you know, there's like bird songs, like they make, they, they chirp and they, they sing and whatnot. Um, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, or I like the, I like the noises. I mean, I hear them quite often just sitting in my house uh, I think my na- one of my neighbors feeds birds, so they're like pretty comfortable in his backyard in my backyard. They don't sort of scurry away. Sometimes birds do just with humans coming towards them. So I don't know. I I like the sounds they make. I'm not sure sure why they make the sounds. If they're communicating. Yeah, I think they're communicating. I think they're, they're communicating. Sometimes they communicate danger to each other. Sometimes it's a mating call. So they have different kinds of um, uh, types of communication. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes it can be like a rooster could be pretty annoying if you're trying to sleep or other birds that, you know, or if you're like camping, sometimes it can be annoying. But it's also, you know, by and large, it's, it's pretty, I don't know, relaxing and peaceful. And to me, brings me back to like, you know, growing up uh, out in the country. Um, so I'm going to come back to this, this one. Uh, um, so, so I'm going to go a little bit, you know, um, tangential to the bird itself, but what about the band, the birds? I like, I like them. Uh, the song that comes to mind, I mean, eight miles high is a really good song, but there's another song called fifth dimension, which I thought was cool. I think they mixed, did a good job mixing psychedelic music. With folk music, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't crazy about their Dylan covers. I think Dylan songs are, for the most part, meant to have a lower singing voice and a little bit more of a chant and a little bit more in-your-face mentality to them. But yeah. I like the birds. Yeah, I'm, more of, I'm a more of a... Yeah, I like the birds, but I'm more of a, like a middle-era kind of a sweetheart of the rodeo. They got a little bit more, like, less... Uh, pop psychedelic and more into like country and they had like Graham Parsons in the band. Uh, so Sweetheart of the Rodeo, Live at the Fillmore. Um, there's another one I like too. I can't think of it offhand, but yeah, you know, I, I, I you know, Ballad of Easy Rider is a good song with some good tracks on the album. Um, so yeah, I, I, I th- and then, oh, Untitled, the Untitled album, which is, I think is half live, half um, studio recording. Um, it's got the song Lover of the Bayou, big fan of that song. So yeah, overall, I'd say it's a yay for me. So two yays on that. Um, a couple more, the birds, uh, or sorry, birds, the movie, uh, by Hitchcock. Have you ever seen that? I have. And I didn't really like it that much. I thought, I get what he was trying to do, but I thought those birds kind of made pretty bad movie villains just because they didn't really have a motive and yeah I, I think that's for the most part what I didn't like about it the 
Yeah, one hand. You know, it seems like the dumbest premise for a horror movie ever. But on the other hand, a lot of people are very afraid of birds. Like Bo does not like birds. My wife Bo does not like birds. So I feel like she would not even be able to watch that movie. So I'm going to, even though I, I might have to go back and watch it. I saw it a long time ago, but I'm going to say yay, because who would have thought that like a movie about birds would be so terrifying. Um, somehow it, it works for me. So I'm going to say yay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is something ter- terrifying about something that's attacking you without any discernible motive. And there's no way you can really figure out the motive. It's just sort of like this constant onslaught that there's nothing you can really reason with. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna, we're gonna do a little, I'm gonna do a little tallying here. Um, cause I think we, we went through most of the criteria or, or all the criteria. I, I get rid of some. Um, but, um, so I am, I am very strongly, I guess, in favor of birds. I, I was seven yay and two nay. Uh, you were five yay and, and four nay, so you're a little bit more evenly keeled on, on the birds. So overall, we're looking at 12 yay, six nay. So, you know, pretty, pretty good score for birds. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're both more positive than negative on birds. Uh, I thought I was going to be, I, I thought I'd be more where you are, but, um, you know, I thought, you know, they're, you know, birds, I, 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 I guess I got, you know, maybe I was a little biased in, in my criteria because I, I did have bird poop on here before. Um, you know, the, the fact that birds can poop on you and like just kind of ruin your day or afternoon. Um, but that's just, you know, I don't think they really mean that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, although who, although who knows? I've heard, I've read that birds do have really long memories, and they've been known to, or at least ravens have been known to remember who captured them and put them in cages, and they would sort of see those people in public and harass them. Really? So who who knows? They might now. I didn't. I didn't read that they've. They would poop on those people to get back at them. But, right. Uh, you know, who knows that birds are pretty, pretty smarted. Yeah. Um, well, this is only a tentative rundown. Maybe we'll do a, a bigger survey in the future with the readership. But um, glad to know where we stand on birds. Um, yep. yeah. Did you have anything else for this week? I uh, know that's, that's about it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And, uh, send us your mailbag questions at plastic cups inside paper cups at gmail.com. Oh, and one last thing. We have a Facebook page now, which is the same name as our podcast, I guess. That's the, they're the only platform that didn't make a short in our name. So just search for us on Facebook and you'll get all the information you need about the podcast and notifications about when new episodes are released and all that fun stuff. Yep. Like us on Facebook and don't forget to get your cat spayed and neutered. Yep. All right. See you next week, Dennis. 
See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a fine hand for the birds. I'm the lover of the bayou. Yeah. 